It's Monday, and you're with Bob McAvoy, right here on the Semper Reformata podcast. Well, good morning, good morning. It is Monday morning, the 9th of May, 2022, and this is Bob McAvoy with the regular Monday podcast here on the Semper Reformata podcast. Except that this week, we've got a kind of a special edition about a subject that's very close to my heart, actually. We're going to talk about food. And there's two major food issues, present-day logistics, in other words, transportation costs and the availability of transport, and that causing price rises. And the second issue is future global and local food policies. So let's take some time this morning to think about food, glorious food. My goodness, I'm hungry already. Well, I wonder are you aware of the government farm retirement incentives? My granddaughter sometimes wears a sweatshirt emblazoned with the words, no farmers, no food, no future. Now that would make a timely message for our government in Westminster where a scheme has been put in place to offer financial incentives to older farmers to retire and give up their land. But sure, what could be wrong with that? It actually seems like a good idea, until you scratch the surface and find that the real motivation behind it is actually the government's net zero policy. The BBC carried the story on its website, and it reported it is part of a massive overhaul of farm grants incentivising farmers to protect the environment. Some older farmers are resistant to new green methods, Environment Secretary George Eustace believes, and he wants them to move on. Well, I wonder what new green methods he's talking about. I wonder, could it be a drastic reduction in livestock numbers? I wonder, could it be the so-called rewilding programme, where good agricultural land is wasted, letting it go to seed? I wonder, could it be the planting of forests, great for squirrels, not so good for food production? I wonder, could it be using good fertile land for wind farms and covering it with acres of solar panels? And since these green methods are far less productive than farming practice is at present, what's going to make up the food deficit that results? Insects? Bugs? Locusts, tasteless, bland meat substitutes favoured by vegans. And here in Northern Ireland, we're hearing reports that there are to be huge reductions in the regional cattle and sheep stocks over the next 30 years or so. On the 22nd of April, The Guardian carried a report which read, and I quote, Northern Ireland will need to lose more than one million sheep and cattle to meet its new legally binding climate emissions targets, according to an industry commissioned analysis seen by The Guardian. Guardian goes on, the large-scale reduction in farm animals comes after the passing of the jurisdiction's first ever Climate Act, requiring the farming sector to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050 and reduce methane emissions by almost 50% over the same period. Now let me put that in context for you. In June 2020, which is the latest published figure that I could find, our regional cattle herd was 1,611,467 beasts. 
and we have a population here of around 1.8 million people. If we lose 1 million in cattle to meet our net zero targets, we will lose almost two thirds of our meat supply by 2050. Now, how will such a huge reduction affect our food supply? Unless, of course, the powers that be intend to actually reduce our population by a similar amount down to maybe about half a million people. And just how will they do that? Well, if we can't produce our own food, can't we just import the food we need? Well, the problem there is that there is not going to be a great deal of food about worldwide if things stay as they are. Bird flu in England has restricted free-range chicken production and egg sales. The war in Ukraine has restricted supplies of grain. After all, that area, including parts of southern Russia, produce more than a third of the world's grain. In America, there has been a strange spate of fires at meat processing factories, apparently around 20 in all. Also in the USA, the Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates, a man who seems to be overly interested in human population levels, climate change alarmism and vaccine manufacturer, has also been buying up farmland, becoming the largest owner of agricultural land in America. The Guardian reported this around a year ago, on the 5th of April 2021. The writer noting that Cascade Investment, the firm making these acquisitions, is controlled by Gates. And the firm said it's very supportive of sustainable farming. It's also a shareholder in the plant-based protein companies Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods, as well as the farming equipment manufacturer John Deere. Well, a few weeks ago, I reported on the aggressively enforced lockdown presently in force in the Chinese city of Shanghai and moving also into the capital city, Beijing. But in Shanghai, the general population are still imprisoned in their homes. People are committing suicide by hurling themselves off the balconies of high-rise apartment blocks, screaming out of their windows at night with frustration due to their lack of exercise and fresh air and food. The problem is that Shanghai is one of China's major ports. It's a prosperous commercial hub which trades with the rest of the world. So while the city is locked down in pursuit of the zero COVID policy, what's happened to the trade? Basically, it has stopped dead. An Australian news outlet has posted satellite images of thousands of ships holding position in the seas surrounding Shanghai. The Perth News reports, usually the number of ships queuing anywhere in the world is about 4,000. We're talking about 1,000 at least at just one Chinese port. Think about it. That's about a quarter of the usual number of queued ships waiting and queuing to get into Shanghai. And those ships standing stationary in the sea are not going anywhere. They're not delivering their cargoes. They're not picking up other cargoes. And they're certainly not available for food transportation. Now, is this a coming famine? Well, not in the strictest sense of the word, for a famine is usually the result of natural circumstances. 
But these food shortages are due to man-made circumstances, whether deliberately or otherwise, we don't know. And as we have seen, perhaps some of these issues are being caused in the name of environmentalism. The Malthusian notion that the world is overpopulated and that humans are a blight, a cancer on the planet and that we need less people. We don't. Isaiah the prophet wrote in Isaiah 45 verse 18, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it, who established it. He did not create it empty, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Mankind is the pinnacle of God's wonderful creation. We're made in God's image and with a special characteristic that marks us out as being different from all the rest of creation. The ability, the longing to have a relationship with our creator. Okay, look, I don't want to alarm anyone. I'm not advising panic buying. But what worries me most about all of this, this growing reduction in worldwide food population, these logistical problems, is the seeming nonchalance, the couldn't care less attitude of our ruling elites. Boris Johnson is pouring millions of pounds into the war with Russia on the battleground of Ukraine. But where is the urgency about the rise in food prices and the potential of food shortages? It's not our responsibility, you and me, ordinary taxpayers, ordinary citizens, to prepare for these eventualities. It is the responsibility of our government. Now, there's biblical precedent for this in the book of Genesis. Remember how Joseph was in prison when Pharaoh had a really alarming dream. A strange dream about fat cows and thin cows. And since no one could interpret the dream, Joseph was brought up out of prison and he advised the king to make advance provisions for the famine that was surely to come while the land was bearing plenty. Here's the text from Genesis 41 and verse 33 to 36. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. And let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh. And let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land may not perish during the famine. Well, let's hope that our national leaders have even a fraction of that wisdom. Follow the link in the episode notes and find out more about all these stories. Don't just take my word for it. Do your own research. Be wise. Be discerning. Be an observer of the times. Well, before we finish, the Northern Ireland elections are over. The polls have closed, the ballot papers are being counted, even as this podcast is being recorded. Next week, God willing, we'll take a look at how the results might affect the moral and spiritual temperature of the region. Today's Grace Gem is from Jeff Pollard. He wrote, God is in absolute control 
over all the dizzying heights and depths of medical, scientific and governmental tyranny that is spreading, deceiving and destroying our sin-sick world. Isn't that true? Find more inspirational quotes on gracegems.org. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the creator of this world, that you are the Lord and the giver of life, that you made this world perfect, and when you rested and looked on all that you had made, you saw that it was good. And yet through our human sin and greed and foolishness, we have destroyed your creation and caused the whole creation to groan and travail in labour, just like us, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Until that time, we pray, restrain those who would use this created world and its vast resources for political ends and bring them to an awareness of the judgment of God which overshadows them. Father, we pray for those who will rule over us in Parliament and in our new Assembly, and we ask that you would bring each one of them to saving knowledge of Christ, that they will rule wisely, praising those who do good, and a terror to those who do evil. Amen. Well, that's all for now. Links for all of these stories are on the website semper-reformata.com and there's a link to that website in the episode notes for this podcast. Catechism class is tomorrow, Tuesday, goes out live at one o'clock. There should be a sermon podcast, God willing, on Saturday. Don't give up. Lift up your head. Don't be discouraged. Let's keep watching and keep waiting and keep praying and keep believing in our sovereign Lord the one who overrules everything in the universe that he created. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.